0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Ukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Have you ever experienced somebody using religious rule and prioritizing it over godly grace? Have you ever been around somebody using God's law and prioritizing it over God's love? Have you ever experienced that or seen somebody do that? I think maybe that question is a bit silly because I think we all have a story about somebody doing that to somebody else. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that where the rules are getting prioritized over the relationship. Here's a tougher question. Have you ever done that? And I know that's hard to admit because I don't think any of us intend on prioritizing the rules over relationship or the principles over people. But I think often we can because we wanna honor God and we want other people to honor God. But I think often what we find ourselves doing is prioritizing this religion, this religious rule over this powerful relationship that we can have with God. And it turns people away and maybe perhaps it even turned you away. Here's what I know about all of us. We don't like that. We would even call it terrible. And the thing that we have in common with Jesus is that he didn't like it either. Jesus spoke to both crowds. Jesus had a conversation with both groups of people, to those that prioritized the rules over relationship he spoke to, to those that were on the receiving end he spoke to them. And I wanna talk about that today. I wanna to talk about what Jesus said to both groups of people today. And I wanna to talk to you about what it means for you today. There's this moment in the life of Jesus and he speaks to someone who is in desperate need of help. And Jesus asks them a really powerful question. It's a question that wasn't just for him, but was actually for you and for me as well. And so today, I wanna take you into this moment. I wanna show you that question, then ask you that question, and then we'll consider what it means for us moving forward. We're in the middle of this conversation, this series called Irresistible. And we're looking at the true story of Jesus from the letter of John. John spent three years with Jesus and was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And he saw all of these incredible things that Jesus did and he decided to write them down. And what we've learned over the last couple of weeks is that John didn't choose to follow Jesus and just believe in Jesus because he wanted to be religious or spiritual. John chose to trust and believe and have faith in Jesus because of what he saw. And then he wrote it down and he invites you and he invites me to trust and believe in Jesus because of what we've read and what we've heard because John was there and he saw it. And he was convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he is the Messiah, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John opens up his letter with these words in John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. He says, the Word became flesh. All of God's words that we've studied, that we've learned, that we have sat and listened to at temple, at church, in our religious services, all of those words that we hid in our heart, that are in our scriptures, they put skin on. And we call him Jesus. And he made his dwelling among us. And then John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, and I love this, full of grace and truth. Grace that there is a space for your brokenness, there is a space for your sin. There is forgiveness that is offered. In truth, the reality that your sin separates you from God and that Jesus has come to reunite you and God together through his sacrifice on the cross, through the forgiveness of your sin and defeating your death through the resurrection. This is what John saw, he experienced it. And he writes in what we call the Gospel of John, the good news from the letter of John about Jesus. And he organizes his letter around seven signs, seven things that Jesus did that were miraculous, but he didn't want us to see the miraculous, he wanted us to see beyond that. He wanted us to see the person that performed the miraculous because, again, John was convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the first sign that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago was was an invitation to believe. Believe because John was there and he saw it and we read it and we heard it. And then we talked last week the second sign and the invitation of that second sign was to be confident in the god who is with us in the storm and not to be afraid of the storm or the battles or the chaos around us today we're going to talk about the third sign that john writes about and this one my friends is very personal this one is going to push on you this one might even upset you because this one is about you and God and what you want when it comes to a relationship with God. Because your decision, your yes or your no, will determine the story that you tell with your life. If it's gonna be the story that God created you to tell, or if you're gonna tell your own story in your own way and build your own kingdom. That's what this next scene is all about. And so if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter five, starting in verse one. If you have the Bible app, open up your phone or your smart device to John chapter five, starting in verse one. If you're sitting with us on campus today or you're watching this online, the verses will be on the screen for you. John takes us into this first moment, John chapter five, starting in verse one. And he says this sometime later after that second sign Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, which is near the temple, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. There is a great number of disabled people that used to lie there, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. This place that John is introducing us to, taking us to is a place where all of these desperate people would gather, and they had a longing to be healed. They couldn't see, they couldn't walk, they had some sort of physical ailment, and they needed help. And in that time, doctors were scarce, and doctors were scary. They were scarce because not everybody was learning about humanity and biology and science, and they were scary because not everybody was learning about humanity and biology and science. And so what they relied on besides doctors was either going to the temple of God to pray and ask God for healing or superstition. And sometimes they mixed them. And this is a case where they mixed those two. There was this belief, and John tells us about it, there was this belief that this pool was a special pool where you could find healing. And everybody was convinced that every once in a while, an angel would come down to this pool and would stir it. And if you were the first person in the water, you would be healed. Interestingly enough, years later, generations later, excavators and archaeologists, they went and actually dug up the pool. And what they found is that there was a natural spring at the bottom of the water. And so their belief was that when the water would get stirred back in this story, it was because of that natural spring. But for these people, they believed that it was an angel that would come down and stir the water. They just had this hope that perhaps this was one of the ways that they could get healed. And everybody gathered there. John tells us that there's broken people and there's blind people and there's hurting people and they would lay there all day long. And healthy people? Healthy people wouldn't go there. This would be like Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles, a place where a lot of us would avoid because we view it as dangerous and it is. We view it as unsafe and it is. And maybe there is a kind of people that you wouldn't want to be around, if we're honest, right? But here's what's interesting about Jesus. Nothing keeps him from this moment. Nothing keeps him from this area. Jesus goes directly to this area where people who are in desperate need of help, he goes there to bring help. And John tells us that there had been one man lying there disabled for 38 years, Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a very long time. We're not sure if he actually spoke to the man and got information from him or spoke to somebody else. We just know that Jesus saw this man and had compassion on him and he decided to learn a little bit about him. And then because of that, he makes a decision to go public, that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he is the Messiah, God in the flesh. He decided to go public in that moment. He decided this was a moment for a sign. And it's in this moment that he asks that question that I talked about earlier. He asks that question of this man, and it's a question that I wanna share with you, and then it's a question that I wanna ask of you, all right? So let me take you to that moment. Jesus learns about this man who's been lying on his back for 38 years. He walks up to him, he kneels down, and he asks this question, do you, Want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now, as observers of this story, at least for me, maybe this is true of you. As observers of this story, isn't the obvious answer, well, of course he wants to get well. He's been laying on his back for 38 years. So what a really dumb question to ask in this moment, right? Of course he wants to get well. But isn't it true in our human experience? Isn't it true? That it's easier to stay sick than it is to get well isn't it true that it's easier to be hurt than it is to get help isn't it true that complaining comes a lot more natural than choosing to be courageous i think a lot of us are in desperate need of help i think a lot of us want to get well But I also believe that a lot of us choose not to get well because that means that you have to be vulnerable and you have to be humble and you're afraid to be humiliated. I think a lot of us stay hurt, stay sick because we are unwilling to admit that maybe perhaps we've messed it up that our sin has overtaken us. And when I talk about sin, I'm talking about when you've missed the mark, the mark that God has created for you to live in, the standard of righteousness and holiness that is met in the person and work of Jesus. I think a lot of us, we choose to stay sick because it's easier than choosing to get well. For this man, this is about physical healing, isn't it? But isn't it true that this question actually has more to do with your whole experience, not just your physical body? This actually has to do with your spiritual healing, your heart and your soul. So let me ask you a question that I want you to consider. Do you wanna get well? Because the one who can make you well is here. Do you wanna get well? Jesus asked this man this question, and today I'm gonna ask you, do you wanna get well? John tells us that this man responds to the question, not just with a simple yes, but listen to his words. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else is getting in ahead of me. In other words, absolutely do I wanna get well. But as you notice, I can't move. I've been able to walk for 38 years. And as I try to get into the water, nobody's here to help me and I desperately want to get well. But somebody already gets into the water before me. So yeah, I want to get well. I'm tired of this. I don't want to live in this anymore. This is not who I am or what I'm designed for. I don't want to be in a desperate mode in life. I don't want to live in darkness anymore. Jesus, I want to get well. Again, you see the layers to this, not just physical healing, but... Heart and soul healing, spiritual healing. And Jesus, as he's kneeling down, talking to this man, he whispers these words in his ear. He says, get up. Jesus is speaking in Aramaic. That's the language they use during that time. And get up in our language could be translated in Aramaic this way. Rise up. The Bible was written in the Greek language, the Koine Greek, which is like the English language of that time. And that's how everybody was able to actually get access to it. They understood the language. And get up in the Greek language literally can be translated, come to life. So Jesus looks at this man and whispers in his ear, get up, rise up, come to life. And then what happens next is the sign not just a random act of kindness by Jesus. It's John writing it so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says to this man, pick up your mat and walk. Remember, he hasn't walked for 38 years. And John tells us at once, the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Can you imagine this moment? Can you even Can you even think about what this moment was like for this man who has not walked for at least 38 years? Maybe he was born and without the ability to walk since he came out of the womb. And so he begins to stand. And for the first time, he feels the dirt, the concrete. The ground under his feet and his legs are holding him up. He's using muscles that he's never used before. He's feeling parts of his skin on his feet that he's never stepped with before. He is experiencing something that he's not experienced for 38 years. Can you imagine him slowly standing up and picking up his mat and holding it and being able to stand there and be balanced and be strong and be confident? Man, this moment was probably powerful and painful. My friend, Justin, he lives with his wife and his son in Germany. And just recently he had corrective surgery on his feet because since he was born, his foot was misshaped. Both of his feet were misshaped. And so he would only step on the toes and the balls of his foot. He would never step on his heel. And so for 30 plus years, he would walk around almost like he was tiptoeing. And that's just because it was painful to even put his heel on the ground. He didn't have the muscles or the ability or the shape of a foot to even do that. Recently, he had surgery, corrective surgery to be able to walk normal, to be able to walk in a healthy way. And we were interacting and he used those words. He said, Mike, it's powerful. I've never, I've never stood like this before. He said, it's painful because there are muscles I've never used before. And he said, the the calluses on my heel are not there like they would be for you because I haven't walked on my feet for 30 plus years. And this is the same thing that's happening to this man. He's experiencing something for the very first time because he wants to get well. And then John tells us that as he's standing there celebrating, he turns to thank Jesus. And he doesn't even know the name of Jesus. He just turned to thank this man. And so he turns and goes, thank you. And he realizes that Jesus is gone. Jesus literally walked away after he told this man to get up, pick up his mat and walk. And as this guy was celebrating, I'm sure Jesus smiled and looked at his disciples, his followers, and then they slowly walked away because they're in this area near the temple and they were going into the temple. And so this man looks around and Jesus is is gone. But John in this story doesn't stay there for too long because the next moment we realize that something's been stirred up. Not just somebody getting well, not just somebody healing, not just somebody discovering that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But John tells us that that day that this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders were fired up because they were convinced that the Sabbath was this sacred day and they would walk around making sure people didn't do certain things on the Sabbath day or violate the laws that they've created. John tells us that the Jewish leaders said to this man who had been healed standing there for the first time with his mat on his shoulder, they said to him, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Now, just for some clarity the law of God did not forbid him to carry his mat. Their interpretation of the law did. See, they were convinced that when Moses, he was one of the first prophets, in this document called Exodus, it's recorded that he gets the law of God, the 10 commandments, and he brings them down, two tablets under each arm, 10 things that God wants people to honor and to follow. And they believed that when he came down with these 10 commandments, he also came down with what was called the oral law or the verbal law. And he shared laws with the people verbally that weren't written down. And those laws would get translated translated and would get carried from generation to generation. And so the law that they're talking about here was not a law that God wrote down, but it was a law that they assumed God spoke to Moses about because it was something that they believed this man had to do. They actually had 39 categories of things that you could not do on the sabbath and one of those categories had you can't carry anything you can't carry your mat around with you and that's why they're upset with this guy it all came from the 10 commandments from that first law exodus chapter 20 verse 8 where it says this remember the sabbath day and keep it holy So yes, it is a sacred day. And yes, it is a day that we are to keep holy. That was a command of God. There is no detail in there about if you should carry something or not. That was their interpretation or their assumption. And here's the point. This law, this law was communicated so that you and I would take a break from labor because we work often, don't we? Sometimes the grind doesn't stop, does it? Sometimes we can get so focused on us and building our kingdom that we miss God and building his kingdom. And so set in our rhythm during the week in our life, God said, set aside this day and let's spend some time together. Let's focus our attention on building the kingdom of God and how we can love those around us. The point of this law was to take a break from labor, not love, but here's the thing. This isn't an unusual practice in their time or in our time, because no matter what time it is, no matter what year it is, no matter what generation it is, we all seem to prioritize some things that aren't that important over the people who are very important to God. And here's what it looks like in our time. This is what we do to one another when we prioritize, say, a theological system over people or a ideology over people or a political agenda over people, or party loyalty over people. See, each of those things are not in and of themselves bad. But the problem is, is when we prioritize those systems, those expressions over people, then we end up not serving and loving the very people that those systems and expressions are designed to serve and love. Far too often, we can prioritize things over people that cause us to communicate that they are not loved and they are not significant and they are not important to God. And that's hard to see in us. It's hard to see that in the mirror, isn't it? We, we read about it and we think that it's terrible, but we don't see it in ourselves. And here's how I know that we don't see it in ourselves because you just agreed with everything that I said. You agreed that there shouldn't be a theological stance or an ideology or a political stance or party loyalty that would prioritize itself over loving and serving and caring for people and being compassionate towards people. You agreed with that. In fact, what you thought in your mind was I got to pass this along to somebody who is doing that in their life. But the problem is, is that we often do that and friends that's sinful because we are taking something that's a system that's supposed to be an expression of serving people and we're prioritizing the system over the person. And in this moment, that's what was happening. Hey, keep this Sabbath sacred and holy. Stop carrying around your mat. And they completely missed that this man has been healed. He wanted to get well. And he's walking and carrying his mat to go to the temple to thank God. And yet these people, They prioritized their interpretation, their religious experience, their party loyalty over the fact that this man wanted to get well, and Jesus had healed him, not just physically, but also spiritually in his heart and in his soul. This is why we all gotta take a look in the mirror and realize that Jesus has invited us to be honest and to be careful and why this question, do you want to get well, isn't just for that man, but it is for all of us, including the people that we read about in this story. John put it this way from the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not suffer eternity away from God, but will experience rescue from, from the pit of hell, as my dad would say into the kingdom of heaven that forgiveness of sin is offered through the cross and defeating of the death that sin brings to you and to me is offered through the resurrection of Jesus. That's why John wrote that down and that's why Jesus came. John takes us back to the story and he says, these men say to this man carrying his mat, it's the Sabbath, the law forgives you, it forbids you from carrying your mat And this man replies, uh, the man who made me well said to me, uh, pick up your mat and walk. So the reason why I'm doing this is because the person who healed me, who didn't ignore me, who prioritized me, he made me well. And that's why I'm doing this. And so they ask him a question. They say, well, who is this man that told you to do that? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. Because remember, Jesus slipped away in the crowd and he didn't know where he went. Now what happens next? A lot of theologians, Christians, people who have studied the Bible, a lot of them have really struggled with these next words. But I'm of the opinion that if you just read these next words as a human, if you just read these next words, realizing that that Jesus is fully God and fully human, then I think these next words make complete sense and are actually pretty funny. John tells us that later Jesus found this man who had been healed in the temple. And then, knowing that this man had been accused of sinning and carrying his mat, Jesus says to him, Stop sinning! And I think he maybe smiled. Maybe he winked. Like, bro, why are you sinning? Why are you carrying your mat around? He knows he's been accused of that. The funny thing is is that this man... Hasn't done anything wrong. And yet they're accusing him of sinning. In fact, this man hasn't done anything for 38 years. And so it's just ridiculous. It's a joke that they're accusing him of being sinful. They're being sinful because they're missing God. And Jesus comes and sees this man and maybe he smiles and he says, Bro, hey, what's up? Hey, would you stop sinning? And then he even says this, or something worse may happen to you. Like, I think that Jesus is just being folksy here. I think he's being sarcastic here. I think Jesus is having some fun here. Because how how bad could it get? This man, for 38 years, has been on his back and not able to walk. And so Jesus sees him again. He's like, I can't believe they're accusing you of sinning. Oh, be careful. Something worse is going to happen to you. The point in this moment, I think what Jesus is doing and I think what what John wants us to see is that when you recognize who Jesus is, when you believe in him based upon what you read and what you hear, when when you recognize that he has brought with his life and his death on the cross forgiveness of your sin, when you recognize that, when you realize that the resurrection happened and that your sin and your death have been defeated, you've been set free, you know what happens? You suddenly you suddenly lose your fear of religion. You're not fearful of, am I doing this right? Have I said the right words or taken the right steps? Suddenly, you're confident that Jesus is for you because it's obvious in what he's done for you that he loves you. And suddenly, you're not so worried about the system. There's nothing wrong with the system. Suddenly not so worried about the law, although there's nothing wrong with the law. The thing that you're focused on is the one who came to fulfill the law, Jesus. And in this moment, he's he's setting this man free. You don't have to be afraid of religion. When you recognize who Jesus is, religion will lose its grip on you. Then just a few minutes later, we read that John says, the man went away and he told the Jews it was Jesus who made him well. And so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews... Persecuted him. They were frustrated. So Jesus responds to that, and he says, "Hey, listen. My father is always at work to this very day, and I am working too. So I, I am, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah who has come. And like my father is always working, even on the day that you think you shouldn't work, my father is always healing and making sick people well. My father is always forgiving and making sin people whole. This is what my my dad does. My heavenly father does. And like father, like son." In their response to this, John says, for this reason, the Jews tried harder to kill Jesus. Like they're accusing this man carrying his mat of being sinful, and they have murder in their heart. How self-righteous can you be? Right? Isn't it true that self-righteous people are rarely self-aware? Self-righteousness, by the way, is sin. It's sinful. The only the only thing that they were really frustrated with is that Jesus was breaking their law. And so John says that they tried harder to kill Jesus because they were breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking the Sabbath. But not only that, he was calling himself God. He was calling God his father, which makes him equal to God. Like they're, they're wondering, who does this guy think he is? And John goes, exactly. He, he, he knows who he is. He is Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responds to this moment with these words. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. This is probably the most extraordinary statement in all of this, this story, because here's what Jesus is saying. Do do you wanna know what God is like? Watch me. You wanna know what God would say? Listen to me. You wanna know what God would do? Then follow me. And then Jesus addresses the confusion, why these religious leaders might be missing him. He says, you guys, you study the Bible, you study the scriptures, you study the Torah, because you think that by them, you will possess eternal life. Like you think that maybe if you follow the system, your ideology, your theology, your party loyalty, your politics, that you will find salvation for your soul. You will get heaven. But the truth is, is these scriptures, they give testimony. They testify about me. And yet religious people, you refuse to come to me like you relied on your interpretation, but God sent you a demonstration of what he is, what he's like, and what he will do. And that demonstration is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior that rescues and saves and forgives and defeats death. This is Jesus. And you don't need to rely on interpretation. You just need to turn your attention to what John saw and read about it and hear about it and then believe because there's no more guessing and there's no more mystery. This is why this letter is so important. And so my friends, let me ask you that question one more time. The question that Jesus asked that man on the ground and he asked those religious leaders and he asks of you and he asks of me. Do you want to get well? Because the only way that you get well is if you turn your attention and your life to Jesus. Do you want to get well? Do you want to escape the reality of your sin and the way that it has weighed you down and kept you in the darkness? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to step into your purpose, your significance? Do you want to build the kingdom of God? Do you want to get well? Because the only one that can make you well is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Savior, God in the flesh, the Christ is here. Do you want to get well? Because choosing to get well is difficult. And deciding to stay sick is easy. So do you want to get well? And By the way, do you know what it looks like when you are choosing to get well? Do you know what your life will look like when you're choosing to get well? You will find yourself getting well when you are expressing the very love that Jesus has given you to others. John says his words, God is love. Those around you will feel the healing in you based upon how you treat them around you. Do you want to get well? You know you're getting well when you are expressing your faith and your belief in Jesus in love to those around you. When you are prioritizing relationship over rules, when you're prioritizing godly compassion over godly rules, when you are prioritizing love over the law, and none of those things are wrong and none of those things are bad, but those things point us to a better story, building the kingdom of God story. Do you wanna get well? You can when you turn your attention to Jesus, when you recognize that he has rescued and saved you, saved you from your sin, saved you from your death and saved you from your brokenness and your addiction. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I think often when we talk about loving those around us, it's very ambiguous, right? We begin to think about like, yeah, I'll hold a door open for somebody or I'll smile at somebody or I'll save a seat for somebody. But here's the thing that I want to invite you to. I want you to be intentional about your decision to get well and expressing that in love by joining a connection group. Today at Active, we're launching connection groups. It's groups that meet throughout the week, eight to 12 people online and in person. And you have an opportunity to get to know some people and love them well because you've decided to get well. I wanna invite you to join a connection group, and you can do that by simply going to activechurches.com and clicking on the connection group link. All of the groups that are listed there are brand new groups. Groups where people are gonna step in for the first time, and so you're starting all at the same starting line, and I wanna invite you to get well and express that through love in a connection group. So sign up today at activechurches.com. Send the host a message and begin to tell a better story in community because you're worth knowing. Friends, the question that you and I have to answer is do you want to get well? And my hope and my prayer is that you would say yes. And you would say yes to the one who can help you get well. And his name is Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, these words, these stories, they're remarkable and extraordinary. This one is personal, this one's powerful, and maybe even a bit painful. So I pray that we would be confident in the work that you're doing in us and through us, that we would be confident that our sin is forgiven, that our life is set in your hands in this life and in the life of heaven, and that we would continue to get well and not choose to stay sick so that we can love well and serve well and step into the better story that you've designed us for. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the Lamb of God who forgives us of our sin. Thank you for coming to earth and opening our eyes to who God is and what God does. Thank you for your rescue and your your salvation, your saving life, your saving love, and your saving hope. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and together we say, "Amen, and amen and amen. God bless you guys
1: yeah, in the day like it's caving in, so there the peace begins, sure as the dawn calls the sun, Jesus we hear your love, call out the light. Yeah!
0: Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I want to ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I want to invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.